Welcome to Lessons for Living. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Could it be possible that the prayers of a handful of people could help someone, even someone on another side of the world facing heart surgery? Research focusing on the power of prayer and healing has nearly doubled in the past 10 years, said David Larson, MD and president of the National Institute for Healthcare Research, a private nonprofit agency. These studies, he says, show that religious people tend to live healthier lives. They're less likely to smoke, to drink, and to drink and drive. In fact, people who pray tend to get sick less often, as separate studies conducted at Duke, Dartmouth, and Yale University show. From these studies, here are some statistics. Hospitalized people who never attended church have an average stay of three times longer than people who attended church regularly. Heart patients were 14 times more likely to die following surgery if they did not participate in a religion. Elderly people who never or rarely attended church had a stroke rate double that of people who attended regularly. In Israel, religious people had a 40% lower death rate from cardiovascular disease and cancer. And people who are more religious tend to become depressed less often. And when they do become depressed, they recover more quickly from the depression. That has consequences for their physical health and the quality of their lives. A study going on right now conducted with Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the first to be funded by the National Institute for Healthcare Research involves 80 black women with early stage breast cancer. Half the women will be randomly assigned to participate in a prayer group and will choose eight women in their church to form the group. In the prayer group, the support team will pray for the woman and she will pray for them. They will offer each other psychological support, uh, talk about things that are bothering them. And during the six month trial period, each patient will be monitored for changes in their immune function. Uh, the study goes on to say, nobody's prescribing religion as a treatment, that's unethical. You can't tell patients to go to church twice a week. What we're advocating is that the doctor should learn what the spiritual needs of the patient are and get the pastor to come in to give spiritually encouraging reading materials. It's very sensible. A few years back, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that cable television mogul Ted Turner criticized fundamentalist Christianity and said Jesus probably would be sick at his stomach over the way his ideas have been twisted. 
Ted Turner made these remarks at a banquet in Orlando, Florida, where he was given an award by the American Humanist Association for his work on behalf of the environment and of world peace. Turner said he had been a strict Christian and had a very strict upbringing in a Christian home. In fact, at one time, he said he considered becoming a missionary. But he said he became disenchanted with Christianity after his sister died, despite his prayers. Turner said, the more he strayed from his faith, the better I felt. Well, there are times when the one thing we want is the one thing we never get. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the following, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. On today's program, I want to consider not does God answer prayer, because I believe he does. I don't need the results from a Duke University study to convince me of that. But what I want to talk about today is what happens when God's answer is no. You see, there are times when we come to God with a request. We're not being picky or demanding. We're just following what the Bible says. Let your requests be made known to God. Maybe all we want is an open door or a sign. We would be so thankful with an answer. And so we pray and wait and pray and wait. No answer. You pray and you wait some more and still no answer. You pray and wait, but what if God says no? What if the request is delayed or even denied? When God says no to our prayers, how do we respond? Well, let's go back to our story with David. We want to learn from his life and his experience and bring those lessons for us today. The Ark of the Covenant had made its way triumphantly into Jerusalem. At long last, the Ark was residing safely there in Jerusalem. The nation was going through a period of peace and rest. David was sitting on the throne. The days in the wilderness where he was forced to run like a hunted animal were now over. He was at peace. David was enjoying a period of rest. But the wheels of his mind were turning. You see, it was David's purpose to make Jerusalem the religious center of the nation. He had built a magnificent palace for himself, and he felt that it was not fitting that the ark of God would reside within a tent. So David is determined to build a temple for the ark, a temple of such magnificence that it would express Israel's appreciation of the honor granted to the nation in the abiding presence of Jehovah their king. So therefore, David summons his, summons his trusted counselor, the prophet Nathan. We find this in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 2. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See how I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains? 
So as David reflected upon the contrast between his magnificent palace and the cloth tent that was the temple, he became convinced of the need of building a dwelling place that was fitting for the ark of God. Well, it didn't take a prophet to read David's mind. He was formulating a dream, a dream to build his Lord the grandest, most spectacular temple in the world. Well, the prophet assured David that his plan lined up with God's will. 2 Samuel 7, verse 3. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. David's heart was definitely in the right place. His objective was noble. But just because David's heart was in the right place and his friend the prophet was endorsing it did not necessarily mean it was God's will for David's life. Now, it's important that we remember that not every plan that we come up with for God is actually of God. Just because we feel that our plan is in harmony with God's plan does not mean that that is in fact the case. Just because from my limited perspective it seems to make sense does not mean that from God's infinite universal perspective that in fact it does. Well, Nathan found out that having David build the temple was not God's will. As noble as David's plan was, it was not God's plan. 1 Chronicles 17, beginning at verse 3. And it came about that same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build a house for me to dwell in. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the message Nathan wanted to hear, much less the message he has to communicate to the king. How was David going to respond to God's rejection of his plan? Would David understand? Did, would he understand why God did not want him to build the temple? We read in 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 8, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood, and have waged great wars, you shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood on earth before me. God's refusal to accept David's plan to build the temple was not a refusal of David as a faithful servant. God was trying to redirect David's life plan in a way that neither Nathan nor David could ever have imagined. So God speaks to David through the prophet Nathan. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8, 9, and 11. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on earth. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make 
a house for you. It was David's dream to build a temple, and now God was taking that dream away. I think it inevitable that David's heart must have sunk. It had to, even if for only a, a moment. Someone just the other day um, handed me this poem. Here's what it says. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I, among all men, am most richly blessed. You see, God always answers our prayers, sometimes with a yes, sometimes with a no, sometimes with wait a while, or sometimes with something even better. In David's case, God responds with something better than building the temple. 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 12. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. And when he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. You see, as one door was closed to David, God opened another one. He established a covenant with David that was now going to last forever. God's loving kindness refers to God's unconditional covenant blessing. God would not stand for disobedience, but God would not remove David or his descendants from their place of favor with God. David's unborn son Solomon would be the one responsible for building the temple. Typically, God's no would cause someone to be disappointed such to the point that they might not even recognize the tremendous blessings that God has already bestowed. Some might even experience some jealousy towards the one who was going to accomplish what he couldn't. Interestingly, the Bible mentions none of these feelings brewing in David's heart. David was content and David fully trusted in God. I read the story of John Patton, a great 19th century missionary in, in the South Pacific. 
After he graduated from school and ministered in Scotland for a while, he was sent to an island in the South Pacific with his wife. At that time, only cannibals lived on this particular island. When they landed, they didn't speak the language or know anyone who lived there. All they knew was that all of the missionaries that had gone there before them had never returned. The threat of their life constantly hung over them. And at a later time, when the chief of the tribe in that area was saved, he asked John Patton what army protected his place of dwelling in those early months when he first arrived. It seems that God's angels apparently became manifest in order to protect the missionary and his wife. Well, after having lived there for a few weeks, Patton's wife gave birth to a baby, but the baby died. And a few days later, so did his wife. Well, John slept on their graves for three or four nights to keep the natives from digging up their bodies and eating them. In spite of that, he devoted the rest of his life towards ministering in the South Pacific. In his autobiography, he said that near the end of his life, he didn't know of one native that hadn't made at least a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. He went there with great hopes, lost his cherished wife and baby, and he stayed on alone. But God used him because he was content to do God's will no matter what it cost him. That's what it means to aim your life at God's purposes. Sometimes we focus so much on the privileges that God has given others that we overlook the priceless inheritance that he's laid in our own laps. David did not make that mistake. Overflowing with gratitude, he praised the God who had given him so much. And David expressed his trust uh, through a series of questions. 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 18. Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in thine eyes, O Lord God, for thou hast spoken also of the house of thy servant concerning the distant future. And this is the custom of man, O Lord God. And again, what more can David say to thee? For thou knowest thy servant, O Lord God. David could have been disillusioned or even become bitter with God's reply to his request. But David, the man with a heart like God's, trusted God in his infinite wisdom and praised God who had given him so much. Verse 27, For thou, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, has made a revelation to thy servant, saying, I will build you a house, therefore thy servant has found courage to pray this prayer to thee. And now, O Lord God, Thou art God, and thy words are truth, and thou hast promised this good thing to thy servant. Now therefore may it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken, and with thy blessing may the house of thy servant be blessed forever." David would spend the rest of his time on the throne gathering building materials for the temple. And, 
and organizing craftsmen and, and readying the plans for the construction of a temple that he would never build. There was nothing wrong with David's dream to build the temple. His motives were pure, his intentions pleasing to God, but he was not the right man to carry out the plan. Has God ever said no to one of your dreams? It can get very discouraging. Sometimes the situation and the circumstances we find ourselves in are almost unbelievable. But we need not get discouraged. A man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. He asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. The boy responded, 18-0. We're behind. Wow, said the spectator. I bet you're discouraged. The young boy replied, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. When we cannot understand our circumstances, we need to understand our God. At the end of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3 and verse 17, we read the following. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. These words would have meant so much to the people back then who were hearing them. See, they might not mean as much to us today unless we understand a little of the background. Said, so though the fig tree not blossom, guess what? Fig trees always blossom. And there be no fruit on the vines. Well, there was always fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail. I'll tell you one thing about an olive tree. They last. And the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold. In other words, the animals stop calving and there not be any animals anymore. In other words, if... Everything that is common, everything that is ordinary, everyday kinds of dependable things, things that we need for our existence, if all of that suddenly stops, if all of a sudden your entire world is turned upside down, in spite of your pleas, everything in your life just simply falls apart. Habakkuk 3.18 says, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. That's exactly what David did. His dream to build the temple was shattered. His whole world was turned upside down, yet he rejoiced in the Lord, yet he believed in spite of the circumstances that God loved him and cared for him and at the end of the day was going to look out for him and look after him. How do you and I get to that point in our lives where we have that kind of confidence in God? Well, you only trust someone you know. Someone said to me, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. When you know God, you can ride out the storms. When you know the Lord, you will see his love for you 
even when he answers no. Now, building a temple is probably not one of your secret ambitions. But all of us have dreams. And sometimes those dreams line up with God's will, and sometimes they don't. Broken dreams can shatter a person, but they don't have to. If we believe that God really loves us, really wants what is best for us, if we trust Him with our lives, then He will show us His better plan for our life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for everything you have given us. Many times we take the blessings you give us for granted. May we learn to trust in you and in your love for us so that even when circumstances do not play out the way we would have liked, we may see it your way. Bless each viewer today. Be especially close to those that are bringing special requests before your throne right now. Grant them according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's program and like to get a copy of the program, well, the easiest, the quickest way to do that is to visit our website, l4ltv.com, and download it. You can also download a transcript of the message. If you're not very computer savvy or you don't have access to a computer and you'd want to speak to someone, well, we'll get that out to you. Just dial the number that is going to appear on the screen right now. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. There you will find the links to download a video and transcript of this program. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G, 0A3, and we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1 800 number at 1 800. 972-0337 Well, we've come to the end of another program. I hope you're enjoying this series on the life of David. We have a few more programs in this uh, series. Um, I want to remind you of the website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you can put in your address. There's a map there and it will show you where there is a Bible study group close to your home. These groups are all across the country, and like I said previously, there may not be the flashiest churches, but there are folks that are grounded in God's Word, and if you're looking to ground yourself in God's Word, that's where you need to be. So check out the website, find, if there isn't one close to you, let us know, and we're prepared to study with you online live. Just let us know. 
Remember our Facebook page, visit it, like it, let your friends know. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Santos underscore Bill. On the website, you will also find where I will be appearing. Uh, my home church is in the greater Toronto area, the Harmony Church, 89 Centre Avenue. I am there most Saturdays. At 10 o'clock, we have Bible study. And then at 11.30, we have our worship service. Why not head down there next week and spend some time with us? You can also find wonderful congregations all over the province of Alberta. I have some dear friends there. Well, uh, we are praying that we're going to have this opportunity real soon to do this again. I hope you will let us into your homes again. God bless you. We'll see you real soon.